Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's edition of Hockey Unfiltered, the podcast with Ken Campbell. I am the sidekick Dylan Waugh. I am the Scooby-Doo to Ken's Shaggy, even though I'm more the beatnik of the pair. Stick around to the end because we've got Mike Harrington coming on for the Buffalo News. We're also going to be talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins and, of course, the signing that has happened and then didn't happen. Check us out on Twitter at HockeyNoFilter, at Ken underscore Campbell 27, and, of course, at underscore Dylan Waugh. Ken, how you doing this week, pal? I'm doing great. Well, how could I not be doing great? I'm sitting here in the Scotiabank Arena on a game day. Yeah. In the afternoon. Yeah. I I love like there like the 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 sense of buzz and anticipation around a morning skate is one of my favorite things in hockey. I just yeah. love being at the morning skate. Like you talk, like there's all kinds of people here. You're talking, you're sharing ideas, you know, you're getting some good interviews done. Everybody's kind of optimistic. The game is, you know, they're all looking forward to the game. I just love it. I love, I have always loved the environment around a morning skate. So you, you like, uh, you like talking to people and having a real meeting of the mind. That's nice. Mind. Does it make you feel good to say stuff like that? Does it make you feel good to say things like that about me? Ken, you're holding yeah, the microphone okay. backwards. Oh, I am? Okay, here, I'll hold it. How's that? Much there, better. How's that? Much better. Can you hear me now? <laughs> what are you, the Verizon guy? Can you hear me now? Good. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we got lots, good. Of, we got lots to talk good. about. Yeah, you know, there is. There's a special uh, buzz, not just with hockey, but surrounding hockey. Like, especially if you're in Montreal and it's a, and it's a game day, even if you don't want to pay for the ticket to go to the game or whatever, just walk around the bell center. Well, I, I would argue, I would argue that the, a Saturday game day in Montreal, when they're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs that night is the best experience you're ever going to find. Yeah, like it is amazing. Like, just you know, I mean, I mean, it's everything is so is so clustered around the rink in Montreal. Like, there's everything is there, right? So you go and you know you see people in leaf sweaters. You see, you know, it just and and like like I used to stay at the Chateau Champlain, which is across uh, the um, the street from the Bell Center. 
because it's a Marriott hotel and I'm a Marriott whore and I collect all their points. Um, but I, I used to, I used to stay at that arena and the lobby of that building on a Saturday between the league and again on a game between the Leafs and the Canadians, it was just amazing. There was like people everywhere, former players, like you'd bump into people. It'd be great. I loved it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's a great sport, okay. man. It's a great sport, but Taking a complete left In spite left of those who run it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly not because of, but uh, taking a left-hand yeah. turn and uh, might as well, uh, since you brought up those who run it, let's uh, let's talk about the Boston Bruins signing. There's now been uh, some more news and stuff around it, and uh, you've been doing some digging, so let's hear what you got to say. Well, I just, it's it's sad on every level. I mean, I, I just find it really sad because, um, you know, when it, the, the, because of the way it was handled by a lot of people who handled it very poorly, uh, this young man, Isaiah Meyer Crothers was victimized all over again. Um, you know, I find that sad. I find it sad that, um, you know, a kid like, um, Mitch Miller, you know, may not have any path to redemption now. Like, I, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to play in the NHL or, or pursue his his dream of playing in the NHL ever now because of the way this was handled. Um, it, it, it was it as I as I said, like it was it was a master class on taking a bad situation and making it worse. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the Bruins are as guilty as people think they are of not doing their due diligence. However, the way they executed this and the way they they presented it and rolled it out was terrible. It was terrible. And it, it just, it just created a, a, a really, really bad situation for everyone. And, uh, and now we, here we are, you know, a couple of days later, the whole thing's blown up. You know, like I said yesterday, we're not talking about things like, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights winning seven games in a row. We're not talking about the New Jersey Devils and what they're doing. We're not talking about, you know, Peter McNabb and what a wonderful guy he was, um, former NHL player and broadcaster who passed away. You know, we're talking about this. And that is so hockey, you know, like to have the whole thing hijacked by something like this. And it's just, it's really unfortunate. I thought it was handled very, very poorly. Um, and now, the question for me is, you know, and, 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 and I, and I ask this question knowing full well that there are a lot of people out there and some of them who are listening to this podcast who probably don't give a flying fadu what happens to Mitch Miller and whether or not he ever plays hockey. I realize that, but I, I got to wonder if there's ever going to be a road to redemption for this guy, if there's ever going to be a road to playing hockey. At, at the professional level for this guy now because of the way this was handled by him and by people around him, by the Boston Bruins, by the NHL. Um, and I, I just find that, I just find that really, really depressing. So, yeah, I mean, the, the obligatory thing that we have to say here is that it's not uh, just a mistake. It's a pattern as you know. Um, but with that yep. said, I mean, the biggest failing of our criminal justice system in our society is the inability to uh, truly redeem um, criminals. 
right? And why we have such high recidivism rates and stuff like this, right? And so to your point, like for for this uh, Mitch Miller kid, like it's it's hard for me to turn around. Like I'm not going to turn around and say, oh, you know, uh, boo-hoo for him. But at the same time, to your point about the larger picture here, it's like, well, even if he, you know, turned around and, you know, like, you know, got thee to a nunnery kind of thing, like is there ever a path for him to like you said, become that better person and all the rest of it, which we should want. We should want that. Yeah. We should, we should yeah. want him. We should want him touring the country talking about what a giant piece of garbage he was and what it took for him to come around and Hey, maybe yeah. it's better to just not be a piece of garbage in the first place. Like that's, that's what we would want from a situation like this. And to your point, there's no path towards that. Well, yeah, and and the world is so different now than it was before. Like, I mean, this is a league that had a guy who committed vehicular homicide uh, yeah. with Craig McTavish, then went on to win Stanley Cups with the Edmonton Oilers and had a great career in management. He yeah. had the path to redemption. You know, just this morning, I was in the same room with Toronto Maple Leafs head coach Sheldon Keith, yeah. who did some terrible, terrible things when he was a young man. You know, yeah. he got a path to redemption. Uh, I'm not saying that that Mitch Miller deserves a path to redemption, but he deserves the opportunity to to better himself and and maybe prove that he can be a different person. I don't think he's done that yet. I don't think he's done enough work on that yet. Yeah. Um. To me, if I were approached this summer the way Eustace King was the agent, um, for for Mitch Miller, if I was approached by his camp this summer to represent him. I I know I would have said <clears throat> I would have I the, the first thing I would have said to him was I am not even going to think of representing you until you go you don't send an Instagram <clears throat> you don't text you don't call you show up at a meeting place with Isaiah Meyer Crothers and his parents and you make a heartfelt and sincere apology to them. Yeah. And not only do you do that, you tell them, look, I am, I want to move ahead with my career. What, you know, do I have your approval to do that? You know, and if I don't, what do I have to do to get your approval? What do I have to do to get your blessing to move on with my life and move on with my career here? And if I don't, if I can't get that now, tell me what I need to do to get it. I'll do what needs to be done to get it. And then I'll come back and we'll talk again. I, to can, me, that was the first step. And that step has never been taken. It was yeah. never taken. I don't understand why it wasn't taken. But I think that's that's the first thing that's got to happen before anything. Essentially, what you're saying is have the conversation of how can uh, we reach a place where every time you see my name called out in the newspaper, you know, scores another goal, whatever the case is, leads the team to victory. Yeah. That doesn't re-traumatize or re-victimize you all over again. Right, right. Yeah. And we don't have to call, and, and the media doesn't have to call your mother and, and ask them what they think of the latest thing. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. to me, I, to me, that is so basic. Like, I don't understand it. Like, yeah. I, I don't understand how that can't be grasped and that can't be done. Um, and maybe now it, maybe now it can't, maybe too yeah. much has happened and, and uh, too much time has gone by without 
uh, an apology that the family finds acceptable, then maybe it can't be done now. I don't know. But to me, that's like, that's, that's basic stuff. Like that is just, that's what you do. So like I said, it's, it's troubling on many, many fronts. I hate that Isaiah Crother, Tom, uh, uh, Meyer Crothers, uh, was re-victimized through this whole thing and had to relive, you know, the whole thing all over again, you know, and, and I hate that there's a, a young man who, who did, did some terrible, terrible things when he was 14 years old and may never have the opportunity to redeem himself. And part of that is his fault. Yeah. Like, there's no question part of that is his fault, but it's also the fault of other, other people around him. I think that getting him this contract was way too quick. Yeah. It happened way too quickly. I don't, I don't know how much time has to pass in order for a person to earn an opportunity to do the, something like that, but it's, it's more than what passed. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So anyways, I, 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 I would have handled it completely differently. I can't understand why it was handled the way it was handled. Um, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, the one, the one positive or silver lining to be taken from this is that it does the fact that Bettman stepped in does suggest that the NHL is starting to realize that uh, the public won't stand for this anymore. Yeah, but you know what? The N- the NHL is pretty dubious on this, too. I mean, when this kid, when they renounced his draft rights, when the Arizona Coyotes renounced his draft rights in 2020, the NHLPA and the NHL sat down and said, what are we going to do? And they, may- they came up with a plan. They said, okay, he's going back into the 2021 draft. Yeah. If nobody takes him, he becomes a free agent. So that's what happened. Nobody took him in 2021. He became an unrestricted free agent. Then he goes to the USHL, has an outstanding year in the USHL, scores 39 goals and 83 points, you know, has a great year. So the NHL knew that there was a possibility that this was going to happen. And, and you know what? I mean, I can't imagine that the Boston Bruins did this in a vacuum. Like they did this and they, they, they acted as quickly as they did because they knew there were other teams that were going to be interested in him as well. You know, so yeah. so the NHL knew this was coming. They knew yeah. this was coming. And Gary Bettman said on Saturday, oh, they didn't consult us. Well, Cam Neely said that Don Sweeney talked to Bill Daly on Wednesday about this. So yeah. I don't I I I don't buy what the NHL's selling here in terms of we didn't know this was coming. And now, you know, and the other thing is they approved the contract. Yeah. The NHL approved the contract. It was yeah. filed with the Central Registry Department. And the contract was approved. So how can you approve a contract that was negotiated between two parties and then turn around and say, well, I don't think the guys, I don't know if the guy's ever going to be able to play in our league. Oh, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not saying that the NHL is, is, is done some incredible thing. And I'm not saying that Gary Bettman's turned over some new leaf. That's going to, you know, um, you know what I'm, but what I am saying is that I, I think that they, they 180'd, obviously, like it's clearly a 180 because like you said, the contract was uh, submitted. Every contract, yeah. every trade all has to go through the NHL and the NHL right. has veto power over everything. So ultimately, right. the NHL was notified whether, you know, how specifically they're notified is a, is a different question. But the fact that they turned heels so quickly, I think that. It, what it means that as an organization, they're learning that essentially um, 
this isn't going to fly. And if you want a product that you're sell- selling to sponsors and you know what I mean, you're going to, you, and, yeah. and you're going to make money from the general public on, you, you can't do it. Yeah. And this is a lesson that is, that is being learned. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, should we go from, uh, from a horrible subject uh, in terms of um, yeah. deep thinking to a, to a horrible, horrible team? To a horrible team? Yeah, what's wrong with the Pittsburgh Penguins? What's wrong with the Pittsburgh Penguins? Before we get to the Pittsburgh Penguins, I want to tease. We have a conversation uh, coming up at the end of the podcast with uh, Mike Harrington, Buffalo Sabres of the... um, Buffalo News, yep. Yeah, of the Buffalo News. And so we have a conversation with Mike Harrington about the Buffalo Sabres from the Buffalo News. And check out kencampbell.subsec.com for all of Ken's great writing. And of course, uh, you can get this podcast directly into your inbox. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review, subscribe, like, all that good stuff. We have a growing listenership. We're, we're kind of, we're skyrocketing right now, Ken. We're skyrocketing. So uh, it's, well, it's... Let's keep fooling them. Let's keep let's, fooling them. Let's keep fooling them. Uh, yep. That's the only reason why I wear glasses is so that I look smarter. <laughs> you know that people can't see you right now, though, eh? What? I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> so wow, there's a bunch of guys out here working on something on the on the glass at the at the Scotiabank Arena. I keep wanting to call it the Air Canada Center. Yeah, Looks me too. Like there's like eight guys around this piece of glass. Interesting. Anyways, so what's wrong? They want to the make sure that people can see Austin Matthews laughing while he gets ragdolled right through yeah, that exactly. piece of glass. Never mind. Pittsburgh Penguins. Tell me what, what you're thinking about the Penguins. The Pittsburgh Penguins. Wow. It ain't Sidney Crosby. They've lost, they've lost seven in a row. Seven yeah. in a row. Yeah. Seven in a row. So, so is to that me, bad? Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> See, to me, now the question is, and I don't know the answer, yeah. but I think the question now is have the Pittsburgh Penguins with this core group reached their time of reckoning? You know, is is this it? Is this it? You know, like with this group of players that they, you know, two of whom they signed this summer to long-term deals again, kept the band together, kept the group together. Is this the time of reckoning? And is this the moment in time when this franchise and this group starts to make the inevitable decline that everyone has seen coming for the last couple of years? I don't know the answer to that question, but I think that, you know, I mean, we, I've been predicting this for years and, yep. and it's not because I'm, I, I'm smarter or anything. It's just because it's, it's natural. It's going to happen. I mean, you trade away that many first round picks and that many young players and you keep loading up on, you know, like that's to me, that's the thing. Like you, you know, you, You've got these three core guys in 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 Latang, Crosby, and 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 uh, and and Malkin, but you you're you know you're doubling down when you go out and get guys like Jeff Carter, and when you go out and get guys like Jeff Petrie, and you go out and get you know some of these older guys who who uh, you know who's who have had better days and definitely are on the downside of their careers. So, I, I mean, to me, it's like I thought this was going to happen before now, and. Maybe it's not going to happen now. Maybe they're going to turn it around. But you look at this team. Um, they're getting okay goaltending. Mm-hmm. Not 
not great goaltending. Um, their penalty kill is 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 god awful. They can't kill penalties. Um, and they give up a lot of goals. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I, like to me, like I said, I think the takeaway here is, and the biggest question here is, is this just a, a, you know, a group that is going through a rough patch, like a really, really rough patch, or is this what we've all seen coming for the last, well, basically since they won the Stanley cup in 2017. Yeah, well, they haven't won a playoff round since then, to your point. Nope. Right? Nope. Um, Here's what I find confounding. Uh, In terms of players in the NHL, um, all players, Crosby and Gensel are killing it in points per 60. Right. Gensel is the fourth best player in the NHL in points per 60. Sidney Crosby is the 10th best player in the NHL in points per 60. As far as defensemen yeah. go, Chris Letang is the 22nd best defenseman in the NHL in terms of points per 60. So, and and on top of that, to your point, their goaltending at five on five is actually reasonable. It's 13th best in the league. It's like league average. And their shooting percentage is one of the tops in the league. Their shooting percentage is 11th. So, okay, top third, Right. But my, my point is, is yeah. that, so the question is, okay, so let's say, so Malkin's not quite what we hoped that Evgeny Malkin would be this year, but Crosby's killing it. Gensel's killing it. Latang's killing it. Their goaltending is not yeah. sinking them. Their shooting percentage is, if anything, inflated. It might get worse later on. So it's, there's yeah. this weird disconnect with, d- disconnect with the Pittsburgh Penguins that I can't, I can't quite put my finger on what's muddying the waters. It's it's maybe it's timely well, they goals. Can't, like they, if, can't, they can't hold leads. They can't hold that's leads. What I'm, that's yeah. Sure. But that, that hardly puts them in a, in a, in a small group this year, because it seems to me <laughs> almost every game I watch some teams down by three goals in the second period and comes back and wins. Um, you know, there's been a lot of comebacks this year, but and usually but those they, teams are playing the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Pittsburgh Penguins have done their part. Let's, let's, get, let's put it that way. But you know, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything to worry about with Crosby and Gensel. Um, even their second line, Zucker has been pretty good. Raquel's got five goals, you know, Malkin's being okay, but you know, how long have you, how long has the world been waiting for Kasperi Kapanen to do something? You know, I mean, they, they're, you know what I mean? Like their bottom group is, is it really falls off after the second line, like big time falls off after the second line. Um, And I think that's, that's a part of it as well. And, and I mean, yeah, their goaltending is, like I said, it's been, it's been okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like it, it has like, with a talented team, league average goaltending, especially early in the regular season, that doesn't exactly, it doesn't sink your ship. Um, Kapanen, I'll never forget a friend of mine, uh, Leafs fan, obviously, uh, living in Toronto, said, uh, said uh, after Kapanen was traded, like, um, I'm not going to miss seeing this guy create a two-on-one with his incredible speed and then put that perfect cross, cross-seam pass right into somebody's skates. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's been happening in yeah. his whole career. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean in terms of the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think like 
to your point about not holding leads, like it's like the timely goals. You know what I mean? It's it's right. letting that one in that just makes this big here we go again kind of thing for the team. And you would think for a veteran team like this, there would be some more stick to Well, yeah, but I mean, is it is it is it a matter of stick to or is it a matter of the you know the the heart is willing but the body is unable? You know what I mean? Like they just went out west and dropped four games, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, and they looked they they looked old. I mean, you know, like if you're playing the Edmonton Oilers, you're not you can't run and gun against the Edmonton Oilers if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins and all your players are thirty five plus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, and they're they weren't very good against Boston. Boston's playing really, really well. Um, you know, but but like I mean, I love Brian Dumoulin. I mean, mm-hmm. he played two playoff series, basically, you know, stru- you know, assembled with like chicken wire and tape and and stuff like that and spit, you know, and like he 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 went through two playoffs and 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 uh, you know he's been he was great for them, but you know he's he's playing a lot, he's playing a yeah. lot for them. Yeah. And he's and you gotta wonder if you know a guy like that can be on a top four pairing. I mean, I I would like him if he were maybe in my bottom pairing, but you know, top four and getting those minutes and being as old as he is and as banged up as he is, I don't I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's um. It's, Do you think it's, that? It's, yeah, um... I. I it, I was just going to ask if you think that the the quality of the of the schedule has had something to do with it. I'm just like just thinking that yeah. you know the teams that they've lost to the Kraken, they're having actually an okay start to the year, so we'll call that a wash. Yep. But they lost the Bruins, right? They've lost to well the Canucks. That's not a good one. They lost to the Flames. They lost to the Oilers, right? They beat the Kings. They beat the Canadians. They beat uh, the Lightning. They've beaten some good teams, but a lot of the teams that they've played, they beat the Coyotes big whoop (laughs) they beat the sabers uh uh, they beat the red wings a lot of the teams that they've played um oh pardon me not the sabers um but a lot of the teams that they played have been really really good teams like they've not had an easy start to the year they have not uh well the the, actually the first cup the first the very first start to the year when they were doing well they actually had a fairly easy easy go of it in terms of the schedule but you're right i mean second game was against the lightning yeah, I know, but but like, are there any easy games in this league anymore? Yeah. I mean, nobody has an easy nobody has an easy schedule. Nobody does, you know. Yeah, they're all hard teams to play against. So yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know. Like, like I said, it's uh, it's it's interesting because I I I wonder if you know. To me, I I, I really wonder if this is if this is it. If this is it, this is this is yeah. the moment we've all been kind of predicting for the past couple of years and miraculously they were able to put it off for yeah. a long time um and they were they were able to have very good regular seasons not such great playoffs but very good regular seasons and now you know i wonder if it's not um you know if we're not looking at like i said a time of reckoning i'd argue that they had a good playoffs last year too not just the, like i mean they got beaten the first round obviously, but by, you know, playing their third string goalie, the fourth string goalie, 
because Tristan Jari was out. Then Casey DeSmith. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, no, then, um, yeah, Louis Domingue. Yeah, so third-string goalie. Uh, so I'd argue that they actually had a pretty decent showing in the playoffs last year under very difficult circumstances. But I guess the part of me that makes that says that it's hard to say that this is the moment of reckoning is that we always thought that the moment of reckoning would come from those guys, from Latang and Crosby and Malkin. And now we've seen lots of times where Crosby has a bad stretch or Malkin has a bad stretch or Latang has a bad stretch, you know, and, and, and the rest of the team compensates. And so what's surprising right. me here is the fact that other than uh, Malkin, we're seeing Crosby and Latang still do what yeah, yeah. we have yeah. come to expect from, from Crosby and Latang. Well, it's not them. Now you're so thin that when you lose a John Marino and a Teddy Bluger gets hurt, well, then now it, now your penalty killing goes in the toilet. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's a lack of depth. That's yeah. a lack of depth. I mean, John Marino and Teddy Bluger, like, God bless them. You know, good, hardworking guys who who have really, uh, you know, made the most of 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 what they have in their careers. But you know, I mean, you, you know, one of those guys goes to the New Jersey Devils, the other guy is hurt, and you're penalty killing. You're giving up a goal every four power plays. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's a lack of depth, and so it's like the you're right. I mean, the time of reckoning isn't becoming because. You know, Sidney Crosby or Gensel or 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 Chris Letang or 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 if Jenny Malkin's game has fallen off, the time the 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 reckoning has come in the fact that they have no depth because they've they've traded away all of their sort of good support players and and picks in order to keep this group together. Yeah, the last thing that I'll say uh, is I think that they made a, a severe miscalculation on Jeff Petrie. Um, Jeff Petrie yep. is not a number yep. one defenseman. He never has been a number mm-hmm. one defenseman. And he he brings to the table essentially the same things that Chris Letang bring to the table, but just worse. Yeah. And and having watched Jeff Petrie a lot for the Habs, I can tell you that the reason why Jeff Petrie was allowed to look like such a great number one defenseman is that Shea Weber had every single defensive zone face-off, for better or for worse. Yeah. Even when he wasn't playing well, he had every single defensive zone face off. Yeah. And so I feel like they were expecting um, Jeff Petrie to look like Petrie plus Weber, Jeff Petrie. Yeah. But essentially you're Petrie plus better Petrie. And that's not a good situation for him to succeed in. And, and I think that that to your point about the defense, you know, losing John Marino and, uh, and, and Matheson and replacing that with Jeff Petrie it's not, it's, it's not the same thing. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's a, it's a net loss <laughs> it's, is what you're it's, saying. It's a net loss is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. yeah. Any final thoughts on the penguins? Uh, no, I think we pretty much covered them. Yeah. Do you think that there's like, if you were to, if you were to give it like a wager, like if, if would you be super surprised, a little surprised, not surprised at all or, or, uh, for for them to kind of pull it together, and if not make the playoffs because they're in quite the hole now, at least make a great run towards that end. I would be probably mildly to um significantly surprised if they were to to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would put it at mild for me. I yeah. mean, it's a proud group. They're well coached. 
and they've and they've still got they've still got some of the you know some of the 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 top talent in the league so but like i said i mean it's really hard it gets harder to carry a team when you're older like it's those those guys that you got to carry are a lot heavier when you get older yeah and that heavy lifting becomes a lot heavier when you're older yeah i i i've i've learned that every time i try to get off a couch Oh, I didn't even know you tried to do that. <laughs> You've only ever seen me sitting on couches. Is that what you're saying? <clears throat> yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Ken. Well, we'll get to uh, we'll get to our interview, which is you at the Bell uh, Bell Center. We were just talking Bell about the Bell Center. Center. You, you wish. I wish. Bank Arena. I wish I was at the Bell Center. <laughs> I'll be there next week. Nice. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-day parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win player props, and point totals. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is a go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with THPN, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply, See show notes for details. Well, it's a quiet Tuesday afternoon in the uh, Scotiabank Arena, the quiet before the storm, if you will. And I'm sitting here with one of my favorite people in the business, one of my favorite people in the world, Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News. And the reason why he's one of my most favorite people is that he likes to stir up shit almost as much as I do. And so anyone that's that's going to do that is good in my books. How you doing, Mike? Hey, I can't complain. I mean, I, I suppose you're going to send me an invoice for that introduction, right? I mean, trying to, exactly. you know, butter me up and uh, yeah, yeah. send out some good words to keep social media at bay. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because we're both we're both pretty popular and and well, well, universally loved on social media. I mean, absolutely. Well, it's the only way to be, you know, but here we are today, the Leafs and the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm coming issuing yeah. the Sabres and the Arizona Coyotes to come see Jack Eichel again. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a, a pretty good trade, but the Sabres have been good this year, but I just couldn't resist Jack Eichel two days before he makes another return to Buffalo. Well, that's a veteran move on your part, of course. And I, I started thinking about how this whole thing has come full circle, right? So you're here. Eichel's not even with the Sabres anymore. Seven years ago, right around, probably around this time, the Arizona Coyotes and the Buffalo Sabres played a game in Buffalo. It went to overtime. The the and and it was the it was the turtle derby for for Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel. Arizona scores in overtime, and the place goes bonkers. And I remember after that game, you were livid. I remember, and and but but it really was like that might have been the low point for that whole organization that night. I'm that moment in time. That was the lowest single game the Buffalo Sabres have had in 52 years where their fan base basically cheered for the other team. 
got mad when the Sabres scored a tying goal with about three minutes left in regulation and cheered when Arizona scored on a power play in overtime. And I understand. I understand they were whipped into a frenzy. It was Connor McDavid. We knew Connor McDavid was going to be a star. History has proven that to be the case. I understand you still cannot ever root against your team because as we see now with some of these teams who are talking about Connor Bedard, your chance of winning the lottery is what is it? 18%? Yes. That means you have an 82% chance of not getting the guy. Right. So it's really not going to play in your favor most of the time. But I think overall it was something that, and I say this to people all the time too, how many Stanley Cups have the Edmonton Oilers won with Connor McDavid? Yeah. How many playoff series have the Edmonton Oilers won with Connor McDavid until, until yeah, last yeah, season? Yeah, yeah. Until last season, yeah. the number was one. No, they'd made the conference final, I think. No, they made the conference final last year. I they thought they'd done. Yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. So yeah. in the first yep. six years of Connor McDavid, yep. they won one playoff series. Tanking yep. is never worth yep. Tearing your organization down to the studs, and now we're finally well. That's one more. That's one more than the Leafs have won with Austin Matthews, whom they tanked for. <laughs> they didn't tank as hard. Oh, I don't know, they, Mike. I watched tanked, that team. They tanked goaltending for Garrett Sparks. Yeah, but they they simply understood that it just they were just coming off the Buffalo Arizona situation last year. You really couldn't do that anymore. Bettman was furious yeah. about it. They, yeah, yeah, their yeah. denials notwithstanding. Right. They knew what happened. They changed the rules. Yep. Because the Buffalo Arizona tank was so blatant. Um and I, I think we're seeing again now we're gonna see how the second half of this season goes with Connor Bedard, who trades guys away at the deadline, how this works, because obviously he's playing so well, and people think he is a guy who's going to be like another McDavid. Well, Mike, and I also think that there's an added layer of this, too, is there is more of a reward for tanking this year, because if if you get the first or second pick, you're getting a stud. I mean, there are people, and I've talked to scouts, who say that Adam Fantilli could be every bit as much of an impact player as Connor Bedard could be for who, whomever he goes to in a much different way. They're totally different players. Right. I mean, Adam Fantilli is a great big kid, a winger, and he's a, and he's a power guy and he can shoot the pot. Well, I mean, Connor can shoot the pot too, like a, like a man, but, but I mean, it, it's interesting because I mean, there's that added sort of layer that if you do bumble your way to last place, then you've got, a whatever, 18% chance of getting Connor Bedard and a 17, whatever, 20% chance of getting Adam Fantilli, that gives you almost a 40% chance of getting a great player. And that's why Buffalo was so enamored with the tank in 2015, because you were guaranteed the first or second pick, yep. meaning if you didn't get Connor McDavid, you were getting, Eichel. You were getting Jack Eichel. Yep. And I, okay, so Mike, so here we are, you know, I mean, Jack Eichel's no longer a member of the Buffalo Sabres. He's now a member of the Vegas Golden Knights in, in a trade that was made one year and four days ago. Um, as we sort of celebrate the one-year anniversary of this trade, I mean, I, what I like about it is that it's a trade that, I mean, we're always looking for winners, right? We're always looking who won the trade, who won the trade. They both. That, yeah, exactly. And in this tra- in this situation, both teams got exactly what they needed. Here's the biggest thing to me: the Buffalo Sabers had to trade Jack Eichel. It was an untenable situation. And you're saying to yourself, "What are they going to get back? How could they ever get enough back for this guy?" Well, they got draft picks. They got a first round pick, which turned into number sixteen because yep. Vegas missed the playoffs. Yep. They got Peyton Krebs, a great prospect who's playing pretty well, and they got Alex Tuck a power winger who has played some on the first line who can score goals 
And the biggest thing with Alex Tuck is he grew up outside of Syracuse, New York. He grew up as a Buffalo Sabres fan, right, dreaming right. of wearing the goat head. Yeah, yeah. It's a perfect match. Could they have ever imagined yeah. in the, the, the disaster of the Jack Eichel situation, finding a guy whose lifelong career dream was to play for the Buffalo Sabres? You couldn't have asked for anything else in that trade. That's why it's worked for both teams. Eichel's been great for Vegas. Alex Tuck has cha- helped change the culture in the Buffalo locker room. Yeah, and I mean, he comes in in his first news conference. He starts naming off all the all the guys that he had, at, that he grew up idolizing. So that was great. And it, and there really is something to you, you know you, you you removed a guy who clearly was on the outs, and you brought in a guy who wants to be there, wants to be part of the solution wants to be part of this building process wants to be part of something bigger i mean that's that's a that's that's important if i had a dollar for every time kevin adams the gm of the saber said we want people who want to be here Mm. i'd be rich already Mm -hmm. that's like his number one credo we want people who want to be here yeah yeah and you can take it as a a veiled shot at jack eichel and sam reinhardt and maybe it is but it's more about the guys in his locker room now. Yep. He wants them committed to the Buffalo Sabres. He's got so many top draft picks, some that he's made, some that Jason Botterill made, that they've all grown up together. Mm-hmm. And they all want to be part of this team. And that's what we're seeing with the Buffalo Sabres now, transforming the locker room. Well, now they're playing music. Uh, so so uh, there's always something here in Toronto. Um, just to, just to finish off, Mike, I do want to talk about the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I, I mean, obviously off to a, an excellent, excellent start. They've been terrific this year. I'm not sure if it's going to sustain itself, but it's probably, sh- I, I, I'm, I'm looking for this to be a team that is playing meaningful games at the end of the year and is, is, um, competing for a playoff spot. Uh, they, you know, they hit a couple of speed bumps on the road in the last couple of games, but I thought they were really good. What was your impression of those games and your impression of them this year? Well, they've lost at Carolina and at Tampa Bay. They had a lead in the third period against Tampa. They played two really good games. They would have beaten most teams in the NHL the way they played in those two games on the road. I think I'm looking for the same thing. I'm looking, can they be an 85, 90-point team? Can they be in the hunt in March? Maybe make a move at the deadline to push them over the top. Because one of the things we're seeing already is how deep and how difficult the Atlantic Division is. Mm -hmm. We knew about Florida. Mm -hmm. We know about Tampa. We know about the Leafs. We didn't think Boston was going to be as we good as We thought Boston was the team that might take a step back, and yeah. Boston's taken a big step forward. Yeah. Ottawa and Detroit are like Buffalo, trying to move up with their prospects. But right. it's going to be a real mishmash of teams in there. And I think Buffalo can be in the mix finally. And I really think next year is the year. One okay. more year of development, yeah, one yeah. more year yeah. of draft picks and whatever to get them over the top. But you got to get rid of the organizational albatross, the longest playoff drought in NHL history for a team until you get rid of that. Even if you go and lose in the first round in five games, sure. you really can't go forward as an organization. Sure. And, and you know, I mean, you talk about an 85, 90 point team that probably won't do it nope. in the Eastern conference. I mean, last year, every team in the East had a hundred points. I think the biggest obstacle for the Buffalo Sabres is the division they're playing in. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, think, that's the toughest division in the hockey. I think the best thing, the way the schedule goes, you're not playing those teams six times, right? You know, and some right. of those, teams you're only playing three times yeah so that helps them they're not getting squashed with all those games against all those teams all the time but so far they've been very competitive every game they only really had one blowout loss in seattle the end of a long road trip where they had already beaten 
Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver. Right. We know Pittsburgh right. just went 0-4 out there. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, they've played really well so far. The goaltending's held up. Rasmus Dahlin has emerged as a Norris Trophy candidate, and they've got a lot of depth in their scoring. They're, they've been second in the league in offense for the last couple of weeks. It's a team that really has developed depth very quickly. Good. Well, awesome stuff, Mike. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate having you here in Toronto and uh, keep, uh, keep, keep uh, stirring up the pot. Hey, they even turned the music off for us. They knew this was some serious conversation that exactly. we needed to get in. Exactly. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right, Ken. Thank All you. Right, thanks. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hockey Unfiltered with Ken Campbell. Please check out kencampbell.substack.com. Check us out at the Hockey Podcast Network. Check us out on Twitter at HockeyNoFilter, at Ken underscore Campbell 27, and of course at underscore Dylan Waugh. And we will talk to you next week.